them, and that's how the movie projector tricks us into believing that motionless pictures are moving. A motion picture. The Oscars love rewarding movies about making movies. I don't know if that thought was going through Steven Spielberg's mind when he decided to make a movie about his own life. A documentary in 2017, Spielberg, directed by Susan Lacey, looked at Spielberg's life and work, interviewing countless colleagues, actors, and Spielberg's family, including his parents and sisters. Spielberg's mother, Leah Adler, passed away in 2017 at the age of 97, a few months before the documentary premiered at the New York Film Festival. Spielberg's father, Arnold Spielberg, passed away in 2020 at the age of 103. So we will never know what Spielberg's parents would have thought about how they were portrayed in The Fablemans. I learned very early on to go with him. And if Steve wanted something, he wanted it as badly as I want things. We have this great passion. Forget talking me out of anything or Steven Spielberg. So I joined him. I became his ally. I was his best friend. Either that or I was going to break his legs. <laughs> Spielberg purposely waited 20 years until they had both passed to make this movie out of fear it would upset his parents to have their personal lives on the screen. The coming-of-age story changes the Spielberg family to the Fablemans, a pretty accurate name, I think, to the high spectacle that Spielberg's body of work is known for. The story revolves around Sammy Fableman, somehow a less alliterative name than Steven Spielberg, starting in 1952 and ending around 1965. In the beginning of the film, Mitzi and Bert, Sammy's parents, played by Michelle Williams and Paul Dano, take a very young Sammy to see his first movie. Cecil B. DeMille's The Greatest Show on Earth, a dazzling spectacle that ends with a huge train crash after a botched robbery, which is totally inappropriate for a young child to see. Sammy is horrified but also dazzled by the spectacle and asks for a model train for Hanukkah, which he keeps crashing. Until Mitzi offers that he can shoot the fake crash on a Super 8 camera, his first movie. Sammy lives with his parents, three sisters, and his father is frequently in the company of his business partner and best friend, Uncle Benny. Uncle Benny is portrayed by Seth Rogen, adding a dose of humor to Spielberg's traumatic childhood discovery. Like Spielberg's real father, Benny and Bert both work at RCA. Bert is a visionary electrical engineer. Bert's contribution to RCA is that he worked on the Bismack vacuum tube computer. In 1957, based on his work on the Bismack, Bert gets offered a job at General Electric in Phoenix, and Mitzi convinces him to bring Benny along. The real Arnold Spielberg would go on to design General Electric's GE200 series of computers, specifically the GE225. Uncle Benny and Mitzi are shown to be extremely close friends, and Bert is wrapped up in his work and absent-minded, as geniuses often are. Sammy's love of making movies continues to grow. In 1958, for a merit badge, he makes The Last Gunfight, and then Escape to Nowhere, a World War II movie. Bert and Sammy clash repeatedly over Sammy's film obsession. Bert doesn't understand that it's not just a hobby. It's kind of like what I do, isn't it? What a movie director does. Is. Sammy is much more like Mitzi, a stifled creative who put her piano playing on the back burner to raise a family. Mitzi's mother dies, which badly affects her mental health and brings her estranged uncle Boris, a lion tamer, to the house for a couple days. Now maybe she was a good person, my sister, but 
She was scared. Scared for your mother. She should have safety in the family. Boris is played by Judd Hirsch, who is nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this performance. Friend, go stick my stupid head in the mouth of lions. The pivotal moment of the film occurs when Sammy, after being gifted a Mansfield 8mm editing machine by his father, catches Uncle Benny and Mitzi having an affair on the family camping trip. Sammy is traumatized and swears off filmmaking forever. Sensing something is wrong and with the worst timing, Bert accepts a job at IBM and wants to move his family from Phoenix, a place they've come to love, to Saratoga, California without Uncle Benny. With this as the backdrop, Sammy confronts his mom about the affair, and Uncle Benny tries to buy Sammy off with a new camera, which he accepts but swears not to use. And IBM? After guys like Bert are figuring out how to use what he's made to... They're going to change the whole goddamn world. So... In Northern California, they're all miserable. Mitzi's depression worsens each day, and she decides to get a pet monkey. Something Steven Spielberg's real mom actually did during this time. I remember the kids freaked out. They were so scared. Steve said, you know, in a normal household, kids say, can we have a monkey? And the mother says, are you crazy? You know, when I hear my stories about but the things I've done, I think that was crazy. Did you think she was crazy? I like the monkey. Throughout the movie, we see Sammy go to the movies multiple times, and one movie he sees is John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Sammy goes to a new school, quickly realizing he's the only Jewish boy there, and getting bullied by anti-Semitic classmates. He doesn't like Jews. <laughs> Nobody likes Jews. <laughs> Except other Jews. But in the process, he also finds a new girlfriend, Monica, who's a very devout Christian and wants to convert him. Ask him to come into you. Asking the entry. Monica finally helps convince Sammy to try filming again after lending him her father's Airflex professional 16mm camera. He films the school's ditch day, using the film to humiliate one anti-Semitic bully and to gain favor with another. I don't know why you are the biggest jerk I've ever met in my entire life. I have a monkey at home that's smarter than you! The fallout, which started from Mitzi's affair with Uncle Benny, finally comes to a head when Mitzi and Bert announce they're getting a divorce. Don't you love Daddy? <laughs> sure she does. Of course I love Dad and I love Mom. This sends Sammy spiraling out of control, catalyzing in a traumatic time period where he professes his love to a horrified Monica at prom. Monica, I love you. <laughs> That's impossible. Sammy. Sam. Mitzi returns to Phoenix to reunite with Uncle Benny while Bert stays in California and helps Sammy pay for college. Sammy hates college and wants to get employed in Hollywood. Finally receiving one letter back. The letter is answered by the creator of Hogan's Heroes, who knows Sammy would rather be in film than television, but is impressed with his ambition. He asks if Sammy wants to meet the world's greatest director. John Ford will arrive and talking to her, and about 40 minutes later, this this old dude walks into the room <laughs> wearing like a safari jacket a patch, and a patch over an eye, yeah, yeah. chewing on a handkerchief <laughs> oh with, a, with a, a half you know chewed up and very masticated and wet cigars. And <laughs> I saw all this stuff instantly, wow. you know. And he had kiss marks, but I mean, like not not makeout marks, but the kind of perfect kiss marks. <laughs> Who turns out to be none other than John Ford, played by David Lynch. Amazingly, this actually happened to a 19-year-old Spielberg because why not? And he said, what do you know? He said, what do you know about art? 
And I, 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 I just was stammering. I wasn't expecting that question. He said, you see those paintings around the office? I said, yeah. He said, well, get up and walk over to the first painting. He said, tell me what you see in that painting. And I said, well, I see two Indians on horses. He said, no, 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 no. Where's the horizon? Oh, wow. John Ford gives Sammy one piece of advice before sending him on his way to conquer Hollywood. Well, roughly a decade later anyway. When the horizon's at the bottom, it's interesting. When the horizon's at the top, it's interesting. When the horizon's in the middle, it's boring as shit. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Christina Oaks, when she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at, at Cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. I, of course, am your Academy Award-nominated host in a supporting role, Forrest Miller. Let's bring out those nominees. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, I, th yeah. I think it's... I, I like... I, I gotta say, I like how, you know, the, the, it's like the, the horizon line to the middle and shit, and we come mm -hmm. straight to the horizon line in the middle. Right, right. <laughs> no, it's it's a great it's a great way to end. Well, but then it goes and then it goes up, and then the horizon yeah. line is no longer in the middle, and you're supposed no, to think, no, but oh. our our no 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 our video. Oh yeah 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 for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, you don't change the horizon line. Yeah, I don't. I you know what? I make boring videos. They're intro videos. Um, and uh, you know, I don't. I John, don't John, David Lynch is John Ford would be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and the, apparently the real John Ford, because apparently he took those lines from his like real yeah. life, which is an he amazing. He told that story like apparently to anyone that would listen for like yeah. years, and like there's many iterations of it. And uh, but that said, this is a great cinematic depiction because David Lynch is like the perfect person to play John Ford, who's yes. a legendary dude, but you know, kind of yeah, like kind of like a a, a bit of a caustic character, a talented filmmaker, and David Lynch just like has that generally kind of off-putting, otherworldly energy anyway. So it's it's always good to see him acting, and he's in it for like three minutes. It's amazing. Yeah, best three minutes. Uh, I got more out of his scene uh, than than uh, I did in all the years in art school. <laughs> at least he got some actionable information out of it. Yeah, like whoa, the horizon. I sh I shouldn't have been putting the horizon line in the middle the entire time. That's all I do. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's my go-to move. <laughs> I took in the in the brief time that I was in, in uh, junior college, I took one film class, and the best thing I got out of it is I watched Ella Mariachi, and I thought that was amazing. But I didn't really <laughs> learn anything too actionable. They didn't really already know. So, go tell you. Uh, this is a film about films. Hollywood loves films about films. You said it in the yeah. intro, and it's 100% true. Uh, yeah, I kind of cribbed that from you, I think. They love a movie about, about Hollywood legend. 
Well, and, and Spielberg is someone that he is indeed a Hollywood legend. I mean, think of how many amazing movies Spielberg has made, you know, like, and think lots. about, we don't think about the ones that aren't so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think of like Jaws, like Close Encounters, like E.T., just like timeless Raiders. movies. Raiders. Oh, yeah, of course. If, if, if he didn't get, if he didn't get Jaws, I'd like to think about like where he'd be because, uh, you know, he was like, he was on the edge of like quitting making movies. Crazy, and, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like all of us, I'm on the edge of quitting this show every week. Yeah, he, he's like mad that uh, he lost his job at Radio Shack when they closed down. <laughs> well, My and, backup plan. <laughs> and we've we've all we did an episode of Nope. We all have talked about how terrible it was that it was snubbed, but it is. I heard someone describe it as, "Oh yeah, it's like Jaws plus Close Encounters." I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of gets you there. That gets you to where you need to be to like understand what it is you're seeing." I kind of, I kind of. But but in a good way, like it is deeply original yeah. way, but it's also close encounters homage. of the shark kind. Right, <laughs> it's an homage to that style of the film, nope you know? encounters of a never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but but like in a way that like we don't think of like blockbusters are different now, right? Like like big big movies like go to the movie movies are different now. Um, that that's that can be interpreted yeah. in a number of ways, but mm -hmm. uh, the way I, the way I choose to interpret it is is the king of like the. The, the blockbuster, like, have to go see it in the theater movie, Spielberg, he he wore that crown for a long time. Unfortunately, he did some other films that maybe were not so great. So coming back around, and we talked about this in the Oscar episode, I think he's got a real good chance to at least win Best Director. I don't think Fableman's wins for uh, Best Picture, uh, but I think it's it's a two-way, two or three-way race for uh, Best Picture. I'd say it's either going to be Spielberg, Todd Fields, or Daniels. It's well, and and I feel like without Spielberg, you don't get like even even like the Marvel movies, right? Like yeah. that, of course like, not. Yeah, whole, yeah, like the the high concept, uh, which I don't know if Marvel is necessarily considered high concept because it's basically an adaptation of a you know comic books. But like the high yeah. concept, go to the theater, blockbuster, like the summer blockbusters didn't really exist until Jaws in that like. And you don't get to play sexual lighting like, without uh, close encounters of the third kind. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Close encounters of the bisexual kind. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> God, oh my god i think i've seen yeah. that film too if we were doing an after party that would have been the title yeah that's that's hard to beat so to speak <laughs> you uh yeah like and it's it's uh, hollywood loves uh uh moved up movies it, it loves movies that are autobiographies um you know and, and like it, you can argue the vast majority of spielberg's movies are somewhat you know, based on the trauma from this film uh, depicted in this film, yeah. as to, which, which I hate to be the guy, but I'm like, really, that's that's the trauma, huh? Mm, okay, uh, maybe I, 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 feel like, I feel like some of it is that he's had like kind of a boring, like he's kind of a boring guy, like he's not one of yeah. those classic characters yeah. that you know, like Hollywood directors. That I mean, David Lynch is a perfect example, larger yeah. than life director directing movies that are larger than life. Spielberg yeah. is kind of a guy directing movies that are definitely larger than life but he's yeah, kind of like a guy doing it like he's like <laughs> yeah. which is he's, which is fine he's it's relatable just like, too like like, like that's yeah. the thing it's like like uh anybody can go see his movies like david lynch not for right. everybody well and that's that's the key to spielberg's success too is he makes these gigantic um you know movies that are full of imaginative ideas that are very that are simplistic literate. too they're emulated but they're very easy to understand in the way that like you can you can sum up banshees of inishir in very quickly you know, in the way that's like, oh yeah, these guys live in an island. One doesn't want to be friends with the other. Everything it's funny, and then it's sad. Yeah, it's, it's just like it's nuts. Difficult. 
it's it's it's, it's the most batshit thing you've ever seen, and I mean that as a compliment. Like they I, once, I, they, once I have, a, they once had a three-way, now he chopped off his hands. That's uh <laughs> like I I have like people in my Twitch community who are like, I don't understand a lot of these movies today. I actually live in a Sharon, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. But like I'm like, you know, you I, I like to be challenged. I like critical thinking, but I still yeah. like simple movies and you know, biopics and, and whatnot. But like I, I like you know, it sounds like an operation. A biopic. I had a biopic. It was terrible. It took me uh, three oh. days to recover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a movie about it. Some kind of bio- biopic. <laughs> Some open heart biopics. <laughs> All right. Yo, speaking of which. I would like to welcome unicorn. our new sponsor. No, that's not true. That's what not up? True. I mean, yeah, cheers. I guess, we guess we should be at this point. Yeah. Andy, Andy, I missed the memo, apparently. I, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to be reaching out to Bang <laughs> now. Movie Bang Extravaganza. You, you didn't get it from the title? <laughs> I right, saw for the Bang. You, you mute the group chat for one day. and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so what, what, was, what was your actual uh, point there, Christina? Oh. But I'm just saying, like, uh, uh, there are people out there who are like, I don't like the David Lynch's and the Noah Hawley's and, like, all these people who do, like, confusing stuff. I'm like, it's entertaining. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. Well, but there's still people... stuff out there for normies who can't handle a little critical <laughs> The world's made for them. The world is completely made for them. And, like, again, what's considered challenging for some folks is is just entertainment for, for others, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's... Well, and, and and we talked about this during our, uh, you know, when we had a right, bunch right. of, I mean, last month with our adventure month, right? Like the the different, like the battle between uh, the blockbuster and like yeah. this kind of high concept movie and, um, you know, the more artsy stuff, which makes it kind of funny that uh, Scorsese, you know, our, our good friend uh, interviewed, um, you know. Friend Spielberg. of the show, Marty. <laughs> Marty, we call him. Yeah. <laughs> he inter- so, I, so I have a bunch of these, but he interviewed um, Spielberg for this movie. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think it's gonna go directors. a little something like this. <laughs> Better than uh, I just Swift. <laughs> but he's he's kind of another guy that I think is more far more boring uh, than his movies are. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like yeah. as a dude, he's pretty just yeah. kind of like a you know. David and, and I'm sure this hand. interview is pretty boring compared to the one where um the guy from Drive was like comparing himself to. Uh, well, I mean, they're they're friends, they're, so they yeah. they have a nice, easy chemistry. Whereas in that, Fried Friedkin like ate NWR alive mm-hmm. on that, and 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 NWR did himself no favors, which <laughs> which is, is is what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. And um, you know, I think that the beauty of the picture for me, I love the scene between Mitzi and Sandy, and uh, this special bond. Uh, between between the two the two of them, um, particularly how the picture takes off at times, um, starting with the scene in which she dances uh, in the light uh, the headlights, and there's a, a great shot of the camera flying. He says, "You know, General Electric, the camera flies right into the headlights, and the lights go on, and she comes on. Um, she allows." Whatever she had a bottle that she was drinking, whatever it is, she allows the news just to take over. And um, she kind of lets go. Uh, um, uh, and uh, I always felt that watching the picture a couple of times, I always felt that the, 
the sexual language uh, is art between Mitzi and, and Sing, there's no doubt. Um, and maybe that's what this bond is, that's why it's so strong. You know, they share a lot in common. I shared so much in common with my mom, but even more so in, in the way when you tell a story, everything has to become, you know, condensed in order for timelines have to be altered in order to get the whole story out yeah. and, and, and realize some of these events were separated by months, a couple by years, and my movie doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's coming fast and furious, but, um, you know, my mom understood, I, she identified with me, I identified with her because I wanted to be a movie director even as a kid with eight millimeter. And my mom wanted to be a concert pianist. And my mom knew that wasn't going to happen. She was also madly in love with my dad's best friend and business partner. And, um, and she didn't know if that would ever happen. So she had a kind of, she sort of vicariously lived through my dream fulfillment, wanting to be a director. When she knew she probably would never be able to be with my father's mm -hmm. best friend mm -hmm. and her best friend, and she knew she would never be able to perform professionally mm -hmm. as a concert pianist. So she kind of really pushed me in that sense. She was sort of living through me. And I was looking through her too because she sucked all the air out of the room. She had the great, I don't know if you ever been at the restaurant when she was alive in LA, the Milky Way, but she had such an awesome personality. And then, you know, when we were in the room, we just listened to her. She was just extraordinary, you know, presence, force of nature. But I, I think what, what I was thinking about when I said, well, I said you fulfilled her art. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, you fulfilled her, um, her uh, yearnings. To Yeah, I kind of sure because uh, the 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 audio isn't. It's somebody's phone, so like yeah. at certain times within that interview, like really? it's a good interview, but at certain times you can hear the person go ha, and they're like ha is like way louder than the actual. Audio. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, we 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 get the idea. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think Scorsese and Spielberg absolutely have to be in the in the conversation uh, together. <laughs> Uh, as well as Coppola. Why not Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> She's yes, a director now, right? Swift, uh, that was actually credit credit too. That was pretty good. Like the the Taylor yeah. Swift, uh, yeah. Uh, which it just was weird, but you know. Yeah. Did, did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, it's. I'm mean, she like she clearly <laughs> look. There's a certain type of one of the so one of the reasons I got into Proton Commercial was because when we would be when my band would be interviewed it just was it was the same like four questions and they always were terrible and it wasn't interesting it's like what you were inspired not, you to be a musician yeah yeah like where did you get your band name oh god my, like and it's just like it was so tiring that i was like well i could probably do this better just based on what i don't want to hear and i feel like that was taylor swift's whole deal with that was that the, the, was like hey yeah I, well it seems i'm like gonna ask something was, deeper i'm gonna get it into seems like things. she was legitimately fascinated by that movie yeah. he was legitimately fascinated by asking taylor swift why do you suddenly decide to direct things rather than yeah. sing? Because they were both, I mean, they both seem to be actually like, I know in every single interview, people are like, oh, I'm a big fan of your work. And it's like, how are you though? Like, I don't know yeah. if you are. But in this, it seemed like they legitimately were. They legitimately were. I mean, that's the reason why my show works. I only have people on who I actually am a fan of. But I, yeah, that's always the thing. Everybody says that. It's like, yeah, but you can tell when they aren't. <laughs> like those, like the late night shows, like you can tell when it's like, yeah, I don't care about you at all. And I'm Except for Craig Ferguson, because he would be like, screw these no cards and questions. Yeah. I just want to have a real conversation. Like, but everyone else. He would make it entertaining. Like, yeah. and, and let, let him as the same way. They would find a way to like, you know, get at, but like, let's like a hack like Jay Leno or something. Who just I was going to say a hack like James Corden. 
Oh, well, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm a big fan of your work. I don't know who you are, but my note cards say I am. So, what did, what did, oh my god, the fake yeah, he killed your show. You ever seen a car accident? Ruined my chances. Yeah. What's that? Course. I said, you ever seen car accident karaoke? <laughs> I feel like I watched every time I watch that show. That's what it was. Uh, but but I digress. The uh, you know it's cool to see the guys like that in conversation because they there really isn't a whole lot of contemporaries for people at Spielberg's level, right? That that are, I guess yeah. far as like people that not only make movies, not only make great movies, but very successful movies that literally everybody knows. Everyone knows. Everyone knows those movies, right? And like that's crazy that it, like. His latter day career, you know, starting from like what Hugo or so, like it's sort of like he was just was like, no, I'm going to make these kind of like weird personal movies, and th- and then I'm also going to do a Redder Player One, and that was whatever that was, uh, you know, and it just had to like not connect with people, yeah, on the same level at all, but like still be like, yo, that's Steven Spielberg, yeah. <laughs> also, yo, so, so, oh, Christina, go ahead. So like. With, with Scorsese and Spielberg, they come from like that same class of like this specific era of like up and coming young directors that really started yeah. their careers in, into like the seventies and or early eighties, and right, they became right. more established, you know, throughout the eighties and nineties. And and in this, uh, you know, high <laughs> concept blockbuster versus, uh, I didn't know, really care for Last Duel like, either, Sherry. Like, that was not um, like New Hollywood <laughs> kind of battle, but like all of them are kind of just hanging out at the same time. So it's yeah. like these two types of films are kind of clashing. But it's like, yeah, yeah but like we're we're chilling, like we're all uh, good friends. I so this is uh, in comparison to that, um, Seth Rogen was I guess really hyped to work with uh Steven Spielberg. And sure. it's kind of fascinating. Um because I mean he is a filmmaker too. Like you don't think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean he's and, uh, and he's a businessman. Like I mean he's 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 made some good stuff. He's made some stuff that I'm not so much a fan of either. But I mean just just because you don't like the art doesn't mean someone isn't an artist. Yeah. You know? so this, this is him talking about uh sneaking onto the set early, like coming onto the set early just to watch Steven Spielberg work. Yeah. Um you know, why wouldn't kind you? Of, I kind of found it interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't think a lot of people would admit that, like, oh, like I went to the set. I wanted to see how we work. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, exactly. What is this I hear about you? So you snuck onto set ten days early just to sort of take away the sort of mystique of working with Stephen and the nerves. So tell me about showing up on set early. Did anybody sort of say, "What are you doing here"? No, not at all. <laughs> I didn't sneak on, and I told him uh, from the first. You know when I. I, I I came up in a very like insulated filmmaking environment where I worked with a lot of the same people throughout a lot of my career, and uh, and we worked it. And what I've learned, it was a pretty specific way. So a lot of my questions to him when we first talked were like, "How do you work? Like, how do you make a movie? Do you give a lot of direction? Not a lot of direction? Do a lot of takes? Not a lot of takes? You know, I have a friend who worked with Clint Eastwood, and they do one take, and it's like, oh, that's a whole other way of working, you know. And so I it. wanted to see. Uh, yeah, I wanted to just demystify the process, and I was like, I think I'll perform better for you if if I can be there a lot and just see how everything goes. So by the time I'm filming, it's not like I'm I'm both nervous about my performance and uh, struggling to comprehend kind of how you work. So, um, and as a film fan, it's just like if you have an opportunity to be on a Steven Spielberg set, you take it and you yeah. you take it as much as you can, and you don't leave, and you you sit as close to him as you can and you watch him and you listen to him. And um, that was something I just wasn't going to pass up either. So it was like, and he was thrilled to have me there and always seemed happy that I was there and um, was, yeah. So it was like, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful 
experience. <laughs> I, know, I heard that you did. You you like brought War of the Worlds and you were like, how did you shoot this? How did you shoot that? Please give me one little secret, one little tip about Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker that you learned that you would be willing to share. He's always like drawing his own little storyboards on uh, that, which is not something a lot of people do. Little scribbles all the time. And uh, and then you look at them, they really is like the shots as we're doing it. And they're very, it looks like a child drew them for the most part, <laughs> but, but they somehow translate into some iconic filmmaking. <laughs> Does it change the way, now that you've worked with him, does it change the way you go back and watch his films? When you watch his other films where you sort of see a different, see it through a different lens? Um, I think one of the great things about this movie, honestly, is it will do that for everyone. I think, yeah. like, when you understand the person who made so many iconic works of art, it gives those works of art an entirely new meaning and and you understand why they did what they did in a new way and why they made the choices they made and and when it's someone as influential as him what's interesting is you start to see like oh these things that affected him affected everyone including you the viewer because we live in a culture that has been shaped by him and his sensibilities you know and so it's really interesting to see you know, the kind of ripple effect of like, oh, if that hadn't happened to him, mm -hmm. then like action movies wouldn't be as popular right. as they are today. <laughs> you know, um, it's like, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, like even something like Minority Report, that's, you know, not yeah. not really that long ago. And it, that, that was a way ahead of its time, like uh, filmmaking wise, I mean, or of its time, if you will. But like, yeah. Um, I was even looking at some of his more mid offerings, like, you know, Catch Me If You Can. That's a great film. <laughs> yeah. Made it to a musical. Was it really? Oh, wow. I didn't yep. Know made it to a yeah. musical. Yep. Uh, there's also ones, uh, he made some other movies too. And, uh, you know, I also, I also like, uh, that was still when Leo was cute too. That's true. The question where he's like, how do you make a movie? Like, and Seth Rogen could be taken to the context of like, how do you make a movie? I'm so high. I don't know. I'm freaking out. Like, <laughs> I also like the idea of like Seth Rogen was kind of going down like a Steve Carell path where it's like, he was doing like comedy, this comedy, that, and he's taking a more like, Oh, I can do like dramatic. I can do some drama heartfelt too, yeah. roles. Yeah. Which is good. But I think, I think that in, in the case of uh, Seth Rogen, like, cause he's, you know, he's written most of the movies he's been in. I feel like he didn't think of himself as like an actor, actor, right? And then, yeah. like now that he's gotten hired to start, you know, War being an actor and stuff, he didn't write or like, <laughs> oh no, wrong guy. <laughs> like you know, like now that he's been hired to like be in dramatic roles that he didn't write, I feel like it's a, a lot different for him. So it's interesting to hear him like, uh, kind he's of more than a <laughs> yeah, like but no, it's like it, it's interesting to hear like fanboy out over, uh, you know, being on the Spielberg set rather than like actually like his role in the movie right like like being yeah. like oh well I, I had all these questions about cinema because you know actually kind of i am a filmmaker and yeah uh you know i'm, yeah. I'm doing all this stuff and like i kind of want to know how spielberg works he like, i mean like what this is the end like you know the interview is oh my I, that's, god that's, that i was fucking probably love comments. that film yeah like it's uh, my I favorite mean, comedy he, of all time again and there's this old saying too that like uh it, it's a lot easier for people who work in comedy acting to move to drama rather than the other way around it's usually mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't always work the other way around um I, and i guess all this is apropos because i mean this this is an autobiography mm -hmm. but it is absolutely a movie about making movies and the love of making movies which is another reason why it's basically oscar catnap right i mean of course yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, but i think it's interesting that you know he's not making it for that purpose i don't think no no, think no he legitimately he's just showing he his just love wants to tell a story 
but he also yeah. legitimately thinks in terms of movies. Like, um, yeah. he, like I, I've, I watched interviews with him earlier today where he was talking about how, um, like, movies for him are more real than real life. Which I mean, some of them might be because real life mm. is kind of fucking boring. But like, he he thinks in terms of movies. Like everything that happens to him, he thinks in terms of images on a screen. And you know, going through trauma. I think right. in this case, which I mean, divorce is traumatic for you know the kids that go through it. Sure. You know, not not you know not mentioning any, especially not myself. But um, like no, but like so, um, diving into filmmaking for him and diving into like seeing things behind a camera lens to him was his way. I think of dealing. Yeah, with and, and how he how he dealt with that and how what he put of himself into his art. I mean, like, seriously, one could argue that, like, you know, at least half of his filmography is, is about that divorce and, and about uh, in some way, shape, or form. And certainly yeah, it really impacted his life. Yeah, the, the, the depiction of, like, again, absent fathers and things along those lines, which, you know, then the turnaround was like, oh, yeah, actually, wait, it wasn't at all what I thought it was. Also, the Velociraptors represent the bullies. <laughs> well, yeah, you can see that when the Velociraptors called those kids Jews, and it was like, I don't. Can, can we talk about how Michelle Williams is one more anti-Semitic Velociraptor? <laughs> Jesus Christ, made it a half hour, folks. Can we can we talk about Please. how Michelle Williams? Goylociraptors. Christina, whatever you want to talk about, that's what we're talking about. Just to get off that topic. Can we talk anyway. about how Michelle Williams is one Oscar nomination away from being Amy Adams? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and that's it's yeah, yeah. Amy, is that what we're calling it? I mean, I I, I got it immediately. I think it was Susan <laughs> Lucy before that, but yes, go on. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like how I like how we've you know uh, Christina's evoked both Steve Carell and Amy Adams in this. Yeah, uh, already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's not her. It's not her year though. Like, and no, she, I think she was good in this role. Year? I feel like well, she... in a year with Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett both putting in like career best performances. You know, it's, yeah. She's good. I enjoyed it, and I wasn't mad at it. I forgot her. Michelle Williams was in uh, Brokeback Mountain, so uh, that's how her and Heath Ledger got together. Well, I forgot that movie kind of existed, but I was listening to. I kind of forgot about that too, but I, I was listening to Chavo Trap House do like the the life of Jimmy Carter thing or whatever, and uh, they were talking about how they asked him if he'd ever seen Brokeback Mountain on CNN. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I um. I don't know. I think I think Michelle Williams is well in this, but like I yeah, she's good. She's she she, she it's she's not... good. It's kind of manic pixie dream mom in a certain way, you know, like the role. I love but she how does her a good job with never changed. Her hairstyle's been the same. Yeah. Yeah, if, around, if you watch yeah. interviews with his mom, his mom was manic pixie dream mom. Like yeah, his, yeah. his mom is actually crazier. Cut. His mom is actually seems uh zanier, maybe not crazier in real like yeah, in real life. No, yeah, she's like, got a toned charisma, it down. like like a sure. charisma that, that Michelle Williams doesn't have in the movie, but it's not needed in the movie. Like I like I like, I like know, the idea though that he has that would have been too distracting. His, his own mom down he's like he's like look my my real mom like my mom was like you know you know pretty pretty wild but like maybe we should tone down the character yeah. of my mom my mom's at 11 so can you just come in as an eight <laughs> well because it's not people aren't people aren't ready for the full 11 mom they want the, they, <laughs> yeah. want, they need the eight mom it's uh you know because it's it's not like the um uh, uh what do you call it the um it's not about her 
she's the inciting incident for the story. It's it's about like the effect on the family and so on and yeah. so on. So if you make it too much better, then people can try like maybe identifying with her or whatever and be like, no, like this again, as much as I think like this is pretty low grade trauma by my own personal narrative and my own personal upbringing. It's like, wow, that's it. That that's what it is. Okay. Uh, doesn't seem too bad. <laughs> that seems, that seems I would, I would have killed to have like that level of trauma, you know, like Jesus Christ. But like for a lot of people, that is like the worst thing that ever happened. You know, it's such a softy. And it defined as an entire adulthood, and th and that's fine. That's I'm not, just that, saying, that, Vin Diesel would have never let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have happened if I was there. He's like, he's like, he's like, Uncle Uncle Benny, what are you doing? You know, nothing's more important than family. <laughs> that's, well, I, I, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the Fablemans I want to see now. Well, that's this Steven Spielberg's the Fast, fast and the Fast and the Fablemans. The Fast and the Fablemans. That's good. All right. That's good. That's good. Well, which is uh, not an He did say Fast and Furious in the interview, which is why I put that in because I knew it would be long gone. By yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the Fablemans is not like a like. He's like, wow, it's like my family. This is like a fable, and you know, I'm a, I'm a guy like the Fableman, man, Fable man, like, it's like Vin yeah. Fable. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uncle, um, uncle. By the way, his his real dad's name is Arnold, but he called his uh he called his dad um what like uh what do you call it? Bert in this? But the, the the real like the real uncle guy that you know the mom fell in love with his Bernie. real name was Bernie, and in this he called him Ben. Like he barely he barely covered up the, the barely name. anything, and like uh you know he really he gave his dad the cover. So I I, I respect it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't talk to his dad for fifteen years because his dad said that it was his idea to get divorced. And then later on, like uh, like ten years later, he found out like no, like the dad was covering for the mom. He's, he, he took the punch. Mom. He took the he yeah, yeah. And, and basically, well, he, like, kind of... he took two punches because the mom fell in love with his best friend. He didn't yeah. have his best friend anymore. And then he took the fucking fall. Good guy. And then basically had like deadbeat dad characterizations made of him for like multiple movies over the years. You yeah. Know? God, that has to be embarrassing as a parent when your it. child makes art about you and it's like, oh, really? You're but, really. But it's not even it's not like it's not even the actual like it's it's the version of him that he put out there to be like yeah. covering for the mom, which right. is even yeah. worse. Like, oh, like my son thinks I'm a piece of shit, and it's not even something I did. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, also, exactly. I do, I do really like Paul Dano in this role because it really yeah. shows like he, he really is a good up and comer. Like, I can't believe he's already given like his most iconic role. And I'm like, he hasn't even, he's just getting started. I can't he believe he's portraying a dad. And it totally yeah. makes sense. It's age appropriate. I'm like, what? That kid's a dad. I'm like, oh shit. He's 38. He didn't ask young Spielberg any riddles though. My exactly. favorite role of his was playing a young Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy. Oh yeah, you never. I didn't. I didn't. I don't. I didn't ever see that. But it's um, so good. Yeah. John Cusack plays an uh, a, an older uh, Brian Wilson. It's a really really good film. He's, At one point, he's really great in Prisoners. Oh. Um, obviously, like uh, I'm know. just waiting for him to play Donald Trump. I okay. Just, just keep waiting. So, I, I guess somebody should. <laughs> I hope no one does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. That's right. That's what I was trying to think of. Like you could tell oh. that he was a badass just just from that, and he was like, you know, was, was yeah. That's that's pre There Will Be Blood, which is why most people came to know him. Which mm -hmm. he's great in that also. Like I mean, two roles. At, at one point, they tried to bring him in as like a, a kind of younger version of like Michael Sarah, and then Josh Gad as like the a younger version of uh, Jonah Hill. Like they tried to make that pairing. 
both of them both of them do other things though like both of them do other things really well yeah and they didn't need to be they didn't need to do that but i forget what i forget the name of the movie but like they did like a like a hangover ripoff with the two of them (laughs) just just gotta test the waters for that yeah yeah well i mean i think he's really he's he's really good in this role and the fact that there's not a whole lot of like big things for the dad character to do really (laughs) he's sort of there to sort of quietly suffer and kind of take again take one for the team multiple times um and i think it works well because you have uh, the dichotomy of, of him and the son right you know the the, the spielberg stand-in and, and and i think it wouldn't have worked if he was more of an exciting character for there have been more fireworks about what was going on right like how amazing is it the, the, the one of the scenes i really like for the main narrative like that aren't like uh, the soliloquies of the, you know, Judd Hirsch and David Lynch are uh, is when he has the epiphany that they're having an affair. Like, and he does that while he's like editing and like, yeah. he like is looking at them. That is a really powerful moment. Cause that's sort of like, Oh, and I don't know if it's real or not. I don't care. Frankly, it's a great scene. Like, no, it is real. It is like uh, that, that. That actually is how it happened. Uh, that, and that's nuts him. for some, especially for some of the basically like swore their sword to film. Right. They yeah. have like such a defining moment of their, of their childhood be something literally captured on film like that's you know like whatever by the way it all worked out for the dad in the end because uh (laughs) look at this he got to meet (laughs) he got to meet meet barry uh, (laughs) there you go there you go i it it kind of i mean it's the perfect revenge kind not revenge but like the dad obviously (laughs) really really didn't like believe in well because he's like you know he's like almost an autistic level of uh you know focused on the the like i wonder if the dad had like a little bit of like a low grade aspirin seems like it could have well think about what he was doing right he was doing programming back when that meant tubes literal tubes So, but it's kind of like a, every time he's been invoked, which he did some amazing things in the field of computers, but every time yeah. he's invoked, it's like Steven Spielberg's father did some amazing things in the field of computers. Yeah. Like right. it's, it's always, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> and also, wow. and also Paul Dano is really good at playing like characters who are kind of like on the spectrum or people who are it's struggling with like, like yeah. something. Yeah. Like, like obviously with Brian Wilson was his schizophrenia, uh, yep. With Riddler, it's clearly some type of like riddle, psychosis. Riddle disorder. <laughs> but, He's got riddle disorder. It's incredible. Yeah. But like, in my opinion, he was perfectly cast for the role as, of the dad. <laughs> I swear yeah. I thought of that joke after. It would have been funny if I had put that whole thing out there just so I could make that joke, but I didn't. I thought of it yeah. when you said <laughs> Chill out. Uh, yeah, well, so, you know, there, there's plenty of, like Swiss Army Man, like Ocha, like he's, he's he, he likes uh taking roles that are that are interesting and different, and like, at, but then, but then again, Steven Spielberg, hey, I want you to be my movie dad, okay? Yes, I will do that. <laughs> you say yes, someone asks your god, you say yes. If Ghostbusters have taught us nothing, all right, so this well, is, this is uh, Michelle Williams and Paul, Paul, Paul Dano talking about uh. Which uh, Steven Spielberg pronounces it Paul Dano. I don't know if that's like how I, it's either or. Well, Dino, I think it was Dano. I know that he called him before. Uh, well, like Paul Dynamite, am I right? Hey! <laughs> Rogan as Barney and Paul Dino as Fred Flintstone. Uh, you know, in the Flintstones reboot. Paul Dinosaur. Yes, that was my joke. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good reference. Good reference. <laughs> Michelle and Paul, when you're playing. Uh, a person who since you know mitzi and bird are are fictionalized versions of 
uh, Leah and Arnold, but, but were there questions you had for Stephen about who they were or what they were like? What kind of conversations did you have with him as you were finding the characters? <laughs> uh, well, it started from the moment that we met over Zoom. I, the, it, it, it was a, an immediate kind of spilling over of stories and recollections and just sharing and sharing and sharing. And, and it was that way. It was that way. It continues to be that way. Um, so it, it, you know, I don't, questions arose, but there was already so much in front of us to um, absorb and to sit with, you know. So it, it it began from the moment that we spoke. Yeah, I think Stephen's uh, vulnerability, frankly, and openness, you know, opened the door for all of us. I think, including the crew, to 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 bring that part of ourselves to to work. Um, and I should also say that the the the, the script that Stephen and Tony wrote was was beautiful. I mean, Michelle and I had said to each other, you know, how lucky are we, you know, that this is the language, you know, these are the words that, that we get to work with. Um, so not only was Stephen there for us in every open hearted step about his life, I'm his family, um, we also had beautiful characters on the page to sort of bring together um, Stephen's memories, his life, who are Bert and Mitzi, and who are Michelle and Paul, and, and where do those things meet? Because uh, I think that's the only way to, to really capture um, the essence of who Bert and Mitzi are is not through any kind of trying to please a memory or, um, but, uh, but, but where do we all meet this together and what are we making together? I love Michelle Williams' voice. Like, I know she's from Montana, but it's almost as if it's very, it's almost Grace Kelly-esque. Like her voice is very. Yes, she's I good. Don't know how to describe it? Yeah. And her yeah, hair she's... is very Karen esque. <laughs> <laughs> she she, she, Damn, she can rock the manic pixie look. Like she always like she rocks that short hair. I'm like, oh god! Like if anyone could play Mia Farrow in a biography of her life, oh yeah, she'd be perfect. Michelle Williams is yeah. like that. Will be her Academy Award winning moment. That that'll be your year finally, and uh, Amy Adams can uh, be supporting actress same year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, so Spielberg said that he kept getting almost lost in their portrayals because, like, they were so by the end, like by the time they shot, like, they were so good at playing his parents, and he had to like yeah. fight the entire time to like not like because I guess uh, he showed the the production designer. And which, you know, now I pay attention to production designers because of our friend Katie Byron. Because like, of Katie Byron. But, uh, so you show the production designer all these pictures of his house. Production designer, came, production designer came back with, like, a set that literally was just his house, like, as a kid. So he yeah. was, like, fighting the entire time to, like, get lost in, like, the weird nostalgia of, like, his movie parents that, you know. Yeah, it's got to be crazy, yeah. right? That's a great I mean, take, Dad. Let, let's uh, do it one more time, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey dad, Traumatizing. if you could. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Paul, my dad. Hey dad, dad <laughs> could, you, could you say? Could you say the line? I'm I'm proud of you, Stevie. All right, sorry. Just... <laughs> say it slower. Yeah. Uh, I so so the he um when he finally made Jaws, he took his dad to see it to be like, see, dad, I made a movie, and his dad uh pretty much at the end of it goes, geez, Stevie, that was that was real neat. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that, that was an exact quote. Awesome. No, yeah, those, that was the exact uh, the exact phrase. He was like, Fantastic. "Geez, baby, that was that was real neat." And he was like, "That's when I knew my dad like believed in me." It was like, <laughs> it was like, well, actually, you know what? Uh, actually, really good portrayal on this because I can a hundred percent imagine that. Yeah, because you like, could totally, you could totally see that scene. Yeah, <laughs> they, they got further on. Uh, I, I like that. 
one again, all I've done is like you know trash talk, like you know, the fact that you know his trauma is, is was it was it my my pain and sadness is more painful than your pain and sadness, yeah. Uh, but but like well, it's Midwest emo kid sadness. It, it feels like it feels like a family though. <laughs> And, and, and like yeah. be it tr- troubled if you think of things only in terms of the traditional nuclear family or or what it does feel like a family, which is why it's so great when uh, hello, torrential rage, uh, <laughs> why, why it's so great when Uncle Boris comes in, because Uncle Boris is like, oh, that's Uncle Boris. Uh, he's 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 showing up. Huh? All right. Like they all kind of like are like bracing for it because he kind of comes in like a tornado. But. Well, Judd Hirsch, you know, the it, spirit of their grandma tried to warn them, but they didn't listen. I, I mean, and, and that for that small role, uh, Judd Hirsch has, you know, gets a supporting actor nomination and honestly deserves it. Like, because because now it, it's such an incredible uh, it's such an incredible speech, I guess, like talk. I don't even I don't even know, like what you would call it, but it, it, it's uh, it's absolutely astounding. Like and it it it, it stops you. It stops you. It takes you completely out of the narrative, but then it brings you back into it because when you think about what he's talking about, yeah, it, it, and, and like that, that the closing bits, uh, especially, it, it, anyway, it kind of recontextualizes a few things too. Because, like, um, right, uh, the movie is a little meandering before <laughs> that, you know, like, like it's just kind of going here and there, and that's the one, that's the one, not quite focused, uh as to what the movie is trying to be just yet. Like, like it's getting yeah. there. And then this scene, it's like, oh, this is the movie we're watching. Okay, now well, I and, and I thought it was going to go in a completely yeah. different direction because you have the scene with the mom. Uh, you know, I watched this with my mom, and both of us thought it was going to go in a real different direction with, you know, first she's dancing, and she seems kind of out of it. It looks like it could go way darker. Yeah. yeah I, think I know I, I know what you're getting at. And, yeah, and it seems like maybe she was going to, like, lose her mind, and then the uncle comes, and it's like, oh, like, that actually kind of was a sign, but then, you know, it's a sign of uh, not – well, it's like a dark moment for him in the sense that, like, you know, it hurts when the, you know, when Uncle, uh, you know, when when his uncle pulls his cheeks uncle and Morris. stuff. But like, it, it ends up actually transcending his life, or you know, um, and because so he, he thinks because yeah. because because he's ta- because he talks about the real uh, opportunity cost of being an art. Yeah, yeah, you'll be ashamed of your loved ones, right? Like that's that's like and how he's talking about that it's not easy to be an artist and that like it's difficult not just for you but the people around you and that's a yeah i think <laughs> the worst was the most traumatic event for boomers who didn't go to vietnam <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but like i think i think you're right i think that that is where the film kind of turns where you're you're like he's he's looking he's like weighing the options of like the cost of what he wants to do and what he actually like is compelled to do and realizes that hey it, it's more than just making cool stuff like there, there's a just like there's a, a opportunity cost for what's happening in his family, there's an opportunity cost for him that, that like it could ha- have ramifications down the line that he had never thought of until like the crazy circus uncle came in and gave gave him this incredible speech. And and he, I think it recontextualizes his mother's, you know, why his mother is the way she is, is because right. she's really unfulfilled in you know wanting to be a concert pianist, and yep. uh, then then you know like like she didn't get to fulfill that, and you know I don't think she resents the fact that she didn't get to fulfill that, but like. And and the father, but it's an unfulfilled. It's an You're right. It's an yeah. it's an unfulfilled dream. And and like the fact that like when she's playing just for the family or whatever, she's happy in the in the act of doing it. But it is something where, despite those long ass nails, <laughs> enough with the clicking. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> and everyone's busting her chops about it. Yeah, exactly. Like Christina over there, Oscar worthy <laughs> nails. Uh, Christina Oaks. <laughs> so yeah, so this is uh, Judd Hirsch talking about how he actually kind of had the same uh, experience because he wasn't originally going to be a an actor. 
congratulations. The film, your performance is incredible. Um, I'm wondering for you, um, you play somebody that gives Gabriel's character advice about being fearless and going into show business. Yeah. And I know that you originally were going to be an engineer before you became an actor. Did somebody give you that advice or what gave you the gestalt to become an artist? The same thing the character I play did to him. He said, art is a drug within him. And he knew that the kid had the same drug. And that he, he would never be able to kill that instinct in himself. He will suffer, but it'll... He'll suffer, but 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 that's what's going to happen because you can't kill it because it's going to make you who you are. You're not going to be able to deny it. It's one of those things. The word is art, and if you want to say it's about acting, it's about painting, it's about music, it's about that's the one, and that's the job that I had as an actor doing this character to bring forth. Uh, I mean, it was written that art is the true center of the scene. Okay. It's going to hopefully carries on through the movie in, in various ways. But this guy's going to be out of bounds and from somewhere, right? I didn't say this to, to, to Stephen. I, I said, it seems like an oracle has somehow come into mm. this room. And my confusion was, I am looking like I'm destroying a boy, you know? Or making but his it, life. That's right. Because the only thing he ever told me was it changed his life. The man changed his life, and that was the whole the whole reason to, to have the scene. It is a, a moment in a man's life is what, of course, the movie is, right? Yeah. The no, moments of his life. This was one which changed because he wasn't going to do this anymore. He was going to, and this guy came at the right time and told him, in effect, he will suffer and has to. You just inspired me. I'm going to change my life now. <laughs> um, one thing I do know is that you, you. <laughs> you actually directed Stephen in one what? of the scenes. Stephen talked about how you said, no, the camera should be you over really, here. Really, and he no, actually no, took no, your really, advice. No, there, there was, there was uh, a moment because um, in, one of the most important things in the movies is that Stephen's mother played the piano. And she, was, she should have been a concert pianist. But she didn't. She couldn't. Family, in a way, forced her not to do the thing that Art said to do. Okay, so this guy, yeah, because he had to do it himself and get out and move and uh, leave his family to do it, um, recognized that 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 she didn't do it. So in the, so he she, he's trying to tell her son, you know, she should have done it. I was angry. Should have done it. Got to choose an emotion, right? What is it? Uh, if if I'm going to come across to you by telling you how important this is to you, and and, and your mother didn't do it, you know? You got a choice, feeling sorry for her or uh, not blaming her or whatever. No. You so you changed, how did you change the scene then? Like, how did you change? Oh, well, no, so he said, so I knew he, she was a, a, a pianist, a really good one, and she plays in, in, in the movie. So it was an important thing in, in, in Stephen's life that this mother of his was so good. In our scene, we hear the piano playing, she's playing, down the hall. She's playing in, in, in the living room. And he said, do you want to hear it? I said, yes, yeah. so you give me an earpiece. So I can listen to the music about, because I'm about to say, shh, wait a minute, right? And the scene was, I would just say, wait a minute, and stand there and listen. And finally, 
I thought, oh man, this is too good. This is much too good. This is gonna, this is gonna affect me. And how, how, I know. Open the door, look out, and because it's coming from down the hall. And so I said, I said, um, could I just, could you just do a single on me? You open the door and just see, see me listening to it. Because, you know, because I said, wait a minute. Oh, shh. Right. He said, yeah. And it's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then in, in about five seconds, it, 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 the camera, he says, can we put a camera out there? Okay. Can we go light it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's awesome. I mean, like, really Judd Hirsch. Thoughts right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, he's he's such a that guy actor at this point, right? I mean, like, when people remember him, they're like, oh, yeah, wasn't he Jeff Goldblum's dad in Independence Day? It's like, oh, my God, he's done, like, so many amazing things. And yeah, yes, he was. Taxi. He was good in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, asked about like, Taxi, like I feel like, too. Like, that's the first... Uh, which I mean, he got like Emmy for that and shit, but like, <laughs> sure, sure. But I'm talking about like, and, and, and he's in stuff like Serpico, you know, like, like, yeah. like he's he's great. But like, and ordinary people, of course, I think I guess is that the last time he got an Oscar nomination? Right? I believe so. And that was what 1980? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And he and he, and he gets his nomination. He gets his nomination ostensibly for. Uh, again, the only movie I can think of uh, that's in parallel to it is Network, right? Because, yeah. like, you know, think of like uh, like Ned Baby's speech, which is like it's, it's like Jesus Christ, like oh my god, that that's like it just it sticks to you, like because and it's coming from such an authoritative place, and the fact that he chose to like no, I'm not playing angry, like I'm pissed at her for not following her dreams, and and you know, but then by the same token, I had to stick my head in the mouth of lion. <laughs> But he's also, but he also understands the situation that like, it's a, it's a thing that's not just a burden you carry yourself, but it's a burden everyone around you and everyone you love carries. And that is what being an artist is. And again, one of the most hard relatable things in the entire movie uh, for anyone like in the arts, for sure, because a hundred percent of it's true. I mean, I, I looked it up uh, and I think people are quoting in the chat, but you know, art will give you crowns in heaven and laurels on earth, but also will tear your heart out and leave you lonely. To be a Shonda for your loved ones, an exile in the desert, a gypsy. Art is no game. Art is dangerous as a lion's mouth, and it'll bite your head off. Sometimes, literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I mean, his his version of art, like, it is, and it is art, right? Like, like learning how to. Well, interact I mean, with, but the, but the type of art doesn't matter. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, ex no, yeah exactly. Like, like, like the the uh, the engineering that his uh, dad does in the film is is uh, you know also can, can be seen in a way an art. It, you it, know, it's like, it's like, Right, it's because it's something that he believes in that, like, he's putting himself into in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah it's, like... there's a there's creative process, and you're you're coming up with things to to deal with it, and it's it's yeah, it's different, you know, like like it is as different from painting as it is from music making as it is to editing a film. Sure, it, you know, it, it's uh, but but uh, you know, my father was uh was an engineer, um, you know, so mm -hmm. so like I get that, uh, I relate. It's like it's like the movie is of me. Yeah, I mean, that, like I have a, I have kind of have a similar thing. With, I mean, like I don't really have a good relationship with my dad, but he's an architect, and like I feel like that's kind of almost like the. Uh, and my brother's an engineer, so it's like, yeah. um, my brother kind of followed in the footsteps of my dad's like technical skill with that, and I feel like, uh, you know, I like he he's very he's very literal brained. Actually, he you know he got a job at IBM. Like it's kind of a, you know, it, you know. and my my mom and my dad are both like very um, artistic. I mean, maybe you know the other one too but uh i'm nothing <laughs> like my parents I, I they're like i don't know what happened to you 
<laughs> they're like they love like me you're adopted. My, my parents love me like my dad obviously he but like i'm more art i'm nothing like my sister is a lot like my dad she's very athletic uh not into like artsy stuff i mean she likes her music she likes some of her favorite films a lot of them are about like sports um she's my sister's completely like all my dad's that's the genre of film that i really have never and will never get into just like movies about <laughs> movies about Same. sports that, that's a different that's a different conversation though. that's a different conversation that i would love to have sometime as someone who's not a sports lover but has a genuine love yeah. for certain types of sports film but the more important thing is the main point that we're making which is in fact this uncle boris scene ceiling thing it's so hard relatable as an artist because he's coming from perspective of okay whatever you think of the circus right like whatever you think of it it's his art and and, and just it's like wing walking or something right well is that an art sure but that's his art and he's he's warming warning sammy that like if this doesn't like you know this is something you got to be ready for for the ramifications. Because imagine if he hadn't made Jaws. Imagine if he hadn't done Close Encounters, and he just was like a skilled filmmaker that was like true heads know, like all the stuff we cover, where it's like, oh, so and so, they're so great. It's this this movie should have been bigger, but you know this happened, this didn't happen, et cetera, et cetera. And like the the trial and toll it can take for like in this case we're talking about film, but like music, books, anything, any type of art there is an opportunity cost for it. And, and you rarely hear that expressed because everyone's just, much like there's no working class in America, there's just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Like if you're, the idea and, and the logical fallacy like for, by things like Almost Famous and stuff like that, is that anybody that has any creative spark, it's just a matter of time before they're discovered and before their platform to made successful. When reality, uh, heroes and uh, incredible geniuses, stuff dies on the vine all the time unnoticed. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and you mean, have to be ready for that if you're an actual artist. And you have we, to be ready for the fact that you might not only fail, you might do everything right and it just never gets to where you want to be. Well, but we love I, I mean, we feel love that a success right story, now. right? And it's like we we love a success a success story. We love a success story, people. <laughs> and but but it's like, you know, the, the artists that are telling those stories are the ones that are successful, right? Like there could be a yeah. million films about yeah. uh unsuccessful unsuccessful artists that we'll never see because they're made by you know, the artist that didn't. So the fact that Spielberg, one of the yeah. biggest directors of fucking movie making, period, like throwing this yeah. on film, that's actually incredibly point. I and mean, for me, it's, it gets the movie a whole extra star as far as I'm concerned, because like that's a powerful message to be putting out there. And the fact that he would have the self-awareness to put it out there and, and to like put it in such a pivotal in the hands of such a skilled actor too, and, and have it be such a pivot point of the movie. It's what makes it it raises a lot in my estimation. And and you could see it almost as a, you know, a fight going on in Spielberg's own brain, I think, with his own, you know, friend group at the time of uh like New Hollywood, right? Like he's like the movies that blew up for him are the ones that are, you know, the the ones that are, you know, crowd pleasers. They're not necessarily the ones where he invokes something personal inside of himself. Uh, you know, those movies might not be successful, whereas yeah. a movie like Jaws, which, you know, you know, isn't isn't something that maybe invokes the artist in him, but it is technically a skilled movie. Um, is the one that ends up kind of blowing up. So you could almost see it as like a dialogue in his own head too. Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, like what? I mean, when you when you've made as many films as he have, you're like, why why this one and not that one? You know, there's there's certain things like I mean, I, era, I know it's a thing. AI, right? That was like a poignant for him for a number of reasons, and like uh, not one is one, not one of the best. There's there's reasons why it isn't, but okay. Um, I and like I you got you got to imagine. He had a moment where he was like, ready player one. This is it. This is going to be my new, this is going to be my new close encounters or whatever. And it's going to be for a new generation. And then it was like, oh, no, it wasn't. No. We weren't ready. That's the thing, you know? <laughs>
I'm still not ready, frankly. <laughs> if you ask me, but but then again, look at Cameron and Avatar, and those, and those you know, I'm gonna stop myself right there. People <laughs> love those films, but Coda and I, they sure do. <laughs> well, I mean, and and you know, a, a good a good uh, you know, a good friend of uh, Spielberg is, is Coppola, and yep. you know, the movies that blew up for him and actually like gave him the money to direct the movies he wanted to was The Godfather, which I think uh, really amazing, you know, series like first two movies um not my so favorite frame uh, soakers dracula but you know but you know that's not like the he wasn't making artistic stuff he wanted to make he was making kind of uh you know Pretty intimate the, the, films. the schlop for the masses uh in his mind well and there was a big thing that like you know there was a it's italian exploitation and this and that and etc cetera, et cetera. and there's that uh, series on it's on streaming on paramount plus plus called the offer uh and it's good it, it's worth watching especially if you're a fan of uh how movies are made and uh, the source material of it. There's things that are just goofy as hell about it, but it, it, it's it's overall very enjoyable. Miles Teller continues to wander into great roles. I think that was meant for the uh, the cannibal. Um, I shouldn't say that. Uh, uh, Army Hammer. That was meant to be Army Hammer originally. <laughs> Aspiring cannibal. Sorry, we've got the error. <laughs> yeah. Aspiring cannibal. What a fucking. Well, you know what I you know what I think about it. <laughs> you know what I think about it. <laughs> discrimination exactly i mean like that that's that's what they thought at the time and then uh you know it, it so it's but it's amazing because now it's like like there's a great i don't want to spoil the series but it's it's historical record where they they like you know they screen it for a bunch of you know connected people like it's one of the first screenings and they're, and they're like you know, the guy's like that might be the best movie i've ever seen you know, and it's like yeah, for a lot of people, it invoked, that is. Uh, it invoked all my favorite phrase I've ever heard in my entire fucking life, which is you know Italians that reject uh, that kind of cultural image. Wonder Bread Wop. Is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. But 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 again, like, is that what Coppola saw himself doing? No, he didn't want to do it at first. He was totally not into it. He's like, that's stupid. I don't want. Well, to and then he made The Godfather too in order to get money to make uh, the conversation, which is kind of a, an amazing thing that which we I've learned. got on record yeah. as saying. I, you know, I think if Conversation is a brilliant movie, and, and Godfather two is, is is one of the all time great sequels. Like it's because yep. it turns it. We on learned its a lot head. about union busting too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that as well. Like conversation. Yeah, very offhandedly, I was like, oh whoa, no, like don't say that. <laughs> But but yeah, getting don't back to Spielberg. Me, don't tell them he went to the Philippines for that reason. Jesus. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, by the way, the way, I, I got out the, uh, the 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 shark for the Jaws reference. So oh, bring it, bring it close to the camera, like like in three D. And da, it was like da, 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 da. my uh, my favorite. My favorite Drawing the screen crap. I have a I have a I have a well, I guess it's a whale, not a shark. But uh, my my favorite all time picture of Spielberg. Um, is him in the mouth of uh well this one's oh yeah too. in the mouth of jaws yeah right yeah. oh yeah 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 but he he really that 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 shark really kind of fucked him uh not literally <laughs> but <laughs> that's shape of water wait what hey he's on, right i like oh i like God, this one and i like uh i like this when he's in that's the great. mouth of, the mouth of lions <laughs> that's that's awesome but yeah yeah okay to, you want me to stick my head in the mouth of sharks but but i like <laughs> that like when in the uncle boris talk speech whatever it's very clear that like he's taking them literally at first and like not getting what he's throwing down. But then there's kind of like this epiphany is like, oh wait, no, I see what you're saying. And like he's think because he's thinking about these ways that adults act with each other. Uh and he's thinking about only in terms of how it affects him, a kid. But it's his his first epiphany of like, oh, yeah, okay, like so the choices I make like as an adult 
well, like it, like it's a real. It, it elevates the film, frankly. There's two scenes that elevate the film, and they're both cameos from very talented people that are not <laughs> the principals. <laughs> yeah, so that and, yeah. The, the, well, all right. So, so first thing, first things first. I I think it's really funny that uh, you know, Judd Hirsch was like this. This character's not real, right? Like you're you've just kind of added this character to <laughs> you know, like and, Uncle Boris. He's, oh, Uncle he's Boris, like huh? he's like no, I really have an Uncle Boris, that, and he really gave me the speech, which is yeah. amazing. But I, I wanted to ask you guys about the uh, David Lynch cameo. How do you guys feel about that? I, I think it's amazing personally, but yeah, Tr truly, we are in the golden age of directors acting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, More of it, please. Astounding. There's, there's, there's no better way in this movie, and the fact that it's like an inception sort of uh, uh, salute to filmmaking itself with actual filmmaking advice, as Andy described as you know being like you know more actionable items than in uh, any actual classes. Uh, fantastic, and that it's done by like an auteuristic, not autistic director uh, playing another auteur, uh, and 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 like having it be so matter of fact and offhanded and then also being like a real thing that happened or at least he says so and said so for years and years and years before this great and also like again another one of the most amazing cameos like two my two my two favorite moments in this movie are from people that are not principally in the movie <laughs> just yeah. in these scenes Yes. But it works because, like, it, again, you can do that kind of thing with movies. And again, I'm just gonna keep going back to network, right? Where it's like you got Ned Beatty showing up, and like, you're like, how? Oh, he's he's like one of the principals of that movie. No, no, he isn't. He's barely in it. He's barely in it. But you remember Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glen Ross. I know it was a stage play. I know David Mamet, blah blah blah. But he's not in that that film that much. But you remember, like, you know, the you know, put the coffee day. down. Michael and, Keaton like, in Beetlejuice. Like he's only in there for fifteen minutes. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And it's the same you thing, you know. You can't believe it. <laughs> it's a Friday once again. Uh, and uh, yeah, like Blade Three, you know, that has a cameo by Blade. <laughs> Um, so this, so this is him. This is uh, Spielberg telling the actual story for the millionth time to directors that pretend they've never heard the story, but oh, yeah, I never heard him. this one before. Here they're, we go. they're like, they're like, oh, was he, was he wearing, was he wearing the famous eye patch? And then he's yeah. like, well, he was. And he's, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a, like a hack, uh, um, TV host trying to feed the lines. I was always wanting to be a director since I was a little kid. I was in L.A. visiting my second cousins, and I, my second cousin had one contact in the movie business, but it wasn't really the movie business, it was the television business. Mm. And he introduced me to this person who created Hogan's Heroes, about 15 at the time. And this guy said, well, you don't want to talk to me. You want to be a movie maker. Why don't you go next door? You know who's next door? I said, no, who? Jack Ford. Called him Jack Ford. He's Jack Ford's right next door. Huh. I'll, I'll I'll take you across the hall. He takes me across the hallway and he takes me into the office. And Jack Ford's assistant or secretary, as they were called in those days, was sitting there. And and Jack John Ford wasn't there. And so she said I could wait. He was out at lunch back any minute. And I sat waiting for John Ford to arrive and talking to her. And about forty minutes later, this this old dude walks into the room <laughs> wearing like a safari jacket patch, and a patch, patch over an eye, yeah, yeah. chewing on a handkerchief oh with, a, with a, a half you know chewed up and very masticated and wet cigar in his hand. <laughs> I saw all this stuff instantly, wow. you know. And he had kiss marks, but I mean like not not makeout marks, but the kind of perfect kiss <laughs> marks. Two on his cheek here, two here, a couple on the forehead. 
<laughs> and he walks right into his office and his assistant grabs a box of Kleenex and runs in after him. <laughs> and then she comes out about five minutes later and she's got the Kleenex. It's all red. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, okay, you, you, you've, got, you've got five minutes, probably one minute right. wow. with him. That's right. it. And I walked into the office and he was sitting behind his desk with his feet up on the desk. And he sat me down and he just uh, said, so they tell me you want to be a picture maker, is what he called it. Wow. I, I never heard that before, but I never forgot it. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I, I really do. I've made all these little eight millimeter movies. And, and he said, what do you know? He said, what do you know about art? And I, 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 I was stammering. I wasn't expecting that question. He said, you see those paintings around the office? I said, yeah. He said, well, get up and walk over to the first painting. He said, tell me what you see in that painting. And I said, well, I see two Indians on horses. He said, no, 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 no. Where's the horizon? Oh, wow. Wow. So I said, well, the horizon's, you know, you know way above the, the head of the Indians. He said, fine, walk on to the next one. He said, what do you see in that painting? And stupidly, I said, well, there's some cavalry on horses. <laughs> I hadn't learned anything, you know. And he said, no, no, no. Where's the horizon? And I said, well, the horizon is the very, very bottom of the painting. He said, okay, get over here. And I stood in front of his desk. He said, when you're able to distinguish the art of the horizon at the bottom of a frame or at the top of the frame, but not going right through the center of the frame, when you're able to appreciate why it's at the top and why it's at the bottom, mm -hmm. you might make a pretty good picture maker. Mm -hmm. Now get the <laughs> out of here. <laughs> 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 I like how Ron Howard's like, wow. Like, like in the way that like when someone's heard like a drunken story for the 50th time, like, oh yeah, here he goes with this one again. Yeah, but John, John Favreau's into it. <laughs> but John Favreau's like, I'm here. I'm right here. Tell me. Tell me what happened next. Well, I mean, you, and you can also think that maybe John Favreau and him probably aren't that close, but him and Ron Howard have definitely hung out. Ron Howard has <laughs> definitely yeah. heard that story. <laughs> and also like John Favreau, I would put in the category of Steven Spielberg. Like, like you know. Um, Favreau's great. Yeah, no, no, and, and he makes those kind of big movies that uh, uh, Spielberg does. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, and that's and that's why, like, I feel like there's a direct connection between, uh, you know, Spielberg and like the Marvel kind of, uh, you know, like as a franchise, right? Like that. Kind I mean, of... no, no, but it's got nothing to do with Marvel. I mean, think, think of like Cowboys and Aliens. What was it we were talking about? Cowboys and Aliens should have been like, if it had gotten some decent support. It's only okay, like, it, it, but yeah. there's some things in it, like that could have been like a Spielberg style. That would fa that was Favreau's try to do like a Spielberg kind of thing. Right? I'm just saying though, but I'm just saying like in terms of franchises, right? Like in terms of right. the the cultural mood that we're in, the cultural zeitgeist we're in. I feel like is directly we're in a Spielbergian moment in the same way that Seth Rogen said, um, you know, if he had different sensibilities, we might not all be into like action movies in the same way, right? Like, sure, uh, sure. No, I, I I get you on that. Um, and it's just it's it's notable because. Look, I think anyone that makes movies on some level, whether they're going to name them as a favorite, they're probably not going to name them as like a favorite director because that's like saying, oh, you know, my, my favorite band's The Beatles. Oh, yeah, we get it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it's it like really? It's your favorite I feel band. so bad for the Kinks right now because they're going through a lot right now with their name because of Juniper or whatever their name is on Twitter. <laughs> The fuck? What are you even talking about? Juniper? What yeah. is that? Was that oh, there's a, there's, there was a tweet where uh, Juniper, she was like... Uh, Who the fuck is Juniper? What's a Juniper? It's, it's, just, a, it's just a, a, a Twitter account that did the uh, that invented the name Goblin Mode because they did a fake article about Julia Fox. Anyway, so they, they said... Um, they were like... Uh, <laughs> you know, they, were, they were pretending to do the, the Tucker Carlson thing. Where I'm just like, saying uh, the Kinks are better than the Beatles. All right. It's not, it's not important. They, yeah, they, they, so the Kinks are like, yeah, the Kinks are the, are the, are the true heads know... Of, of of that well just because their name's kinks. kinks 
that's that's what and then uh the guy from yeah. the, like the 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 lead singer of the kinks got all mad about it never mind yeah, yeah. I, I mean like, like it, it, it's whatever it, it, but the, i i forgot what the original point of that was but like it's it's uh like it, it, oh yeah so saying yeah, that yeah. Spielberg's your favorite director is like saying like my favorite band's the beatles like look yeah. everyone likes the beatles we know we fucking know we all know all the beatles songs like why don't you say the stooges or the kinks or like you know blue cheer or something you know like those are my favorite bands and those would be like the equivalent of like a david lynch or Yep. you know something along those lines where, where it's like oh man if you love film jesus christ even if you don't like it you have to see a david lynch film just to be like wow the, what he did with mood was so amazing what he did with this you know the, the these shots are so incredible but like that's the analogy to it and so for like someone, that horizon was just <laughs> i mean he does do good horizon work which is hilarious happy twin peaks day happy twin peaks day indeed uh and it's I get what Seth Rogen's going for. Where he's, I just wanted to, you know, spend time to see what he was up to, to see what he's doing. Why wouldn't you? Because this guy is like, made like, again, people don't even acknowledge the misses. They make excuses for him, like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, and like, it's it's like Iggy Pop making Butt Town, you know, and it's, it's like, yeah, is that good? No, it's terrible, but it doesn't matter because like <laughs> this is the same guy who did like Lust for Life and The Passenger and like that unfuckable run. A fuck withable run of the three Stooges <laughs> records that are absolutely <laughs> astounding. <laughs> enough, enough. I, I'm just saying that, like, to, to take away the main point is that, like, Iggy Pop can make as many butt towns as he wants. He's still like an incredible musician and all timer. Steven Spielberg is because <laughs> I shouldn't name the movies I don't like. Can make a bunch of movies I don't that he doesn't that I don't like that don't connect with the audiences that don't do what they're supposed to do. Doesn't matter. Did he still make Jaws? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you know like but the thing is i think he gets that on some level because he's like it, it's almost like he's one of those directors it's like it's like scorsese it's too big to fail well you Look, see the uh the, the shark in jaws was his dad and <laughs> like i didn't i didn't care for the last duel but like it's still it's martin scorsese jesus jumping christ you like these things called movies do you like these things yeah yeah well he's made a couple of them and they're pretty good yeah. you know and so, but then where does that end? And like, you know, who, who gets to like write the history and this and that. And, and this is him kind of contextualizing all that where he's being like, look, you know, and again, whatever I personally think of his generational trauma is being like, that's it. Yeah. And I think too, like Stephen King also ruined it for us because Stephen King's bullies were so much worse. Also the, the anti-Semitism in this is like very, very on the nose. It's, like, yeah, and it's almost like so. cartoon anti-Semitism, and I hate to say that, but like it's it's like really that's the that's the I, like not even creative stuff, you know. I and don't. They, call, like... they called you Spielbagel or something. That's the worst you got. <laughs> out of it. But no, I, I like I like where they're like oh, yeah. I don't like Jews, and it's like nobody is yeah. nobody's that like you know upfront about their anti-Semitism. They say yeah. globalists. They say yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but i think it's it's you know but but then he kind of lays into it and again i guess like the 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 christian girlfriend was made up as his friends his friends from back in the day so helpfully pointed out it was like oh yeah he never had like a hot christian girlfriend that never happened no, it's a bitch, fucking movie you morons <laughs> it's a movie it's not a documentary yeah but you know you know that that's what the tabloids were looking for Oh yeah, I, but well, I do. It, I, I do like that the uh, the headline that the tabloids like some, when they some some petty little snitch was like, oh, I'm gonna tell him. 
But I, oh, I okay. do like that it's it's no girlfriend, and it just the first thing I thought of was the the thing that's like no yeah, bitches yeah. with the. It, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like directors using like you know everything is again it's not a documentary, but it reminds me of the fact where like in the musical in the film adaptation Jersey Boys, there's a character reporting Lorraine that Frankie yeah. Valley dates, but she's representation of all the women he had like relationships with on the road after his divorce from Mary Delgado. So it's like, it's like, you know, they always like make one person represent uh, multiple person. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's, it's a, a stand-in. Um, there wasn't an actual depiction of a real person, but a, yeah. but a representation of many people. You take that, different influences of yeah. different people, morphing into one person. That's true. That's, that, that is true. I've had, and I have had, let's see, how many people from the Stooges I've had on? Well, Mike Watt was in the Stooges. I had James Williamson on. I did not get to the either Ashton before they died. Would have loved to have Ron Ashton. Iggy, call me. Stooges. Fucking! If you're gonna talk to anyone, I'm your man. That's right. (laughs) Put it out there in the world. (laughs) I like. I like how. uh, I I assume he has my number. I don't know. Everyone else (laughs) else seems to have it. (laughs) Um, I like. I like how Iggy pops though. Like anytime a director calls, is just in. But like, 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 like like that Jim Jarmusch zombie movie where him and Debbie Harry are zombies, and there's no reason for them to be in that movie other than the fact that like it sounds like a laugh, and I appreciate that. Although, although the only movie he didn't do was the shooting in Phoenicia, New York. Uh, because uh, they asked him to be in that movie, but he couldn't. Which movie? He had like the first Crow movie. He was in the second. The first Crow movie. Okay. Yes, he was in the second one, uh, which is terrible. But I um, didn't watch it because I don't like things that suck. Yeah, well, <laughs> honestly, there's a good movie in there. It's kind of like the Batman, except they, sure. they cut out all the good parts. I'll never know because I won't watch it. Yes. This, is, this is my, uh, this is my, hold on, this is my representation of uh, of Andy. What was he supposed off. to play? Was he supposed to play? Uh, 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 he was Fun Boy. Oh, the, the heroin. This is, this is my representation. That's actually of, who uh, it was based on in the comic too. Yeah, I was gonna say it would yeah. it would have been appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. It, it would have been. This, my, this is my representation like, of Andy dropping oh, a dropping a random movie reference that everyone else is uh, shocked by. <laughs> <laughs> I am the monkey. <laughs> they really so they really had a monkey. Like by the way, yeah, the monkey has it in crystal. I believe. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad they didn't CGI CGI in and the monkey like Jumanji or something. That would have been horrible. <laughs> I, I guess I guess there were there animal rights actors and actresses. There were monkeys. animal rights activists though that were mad that they brought a monkey on set. I don't know Jesus. why you would be. Fuck. They're oh. trained to act. Yeah, no. just like dogs. Exactly. Toto in the Wizard of Oz. His real name was Terry. I there's mean, some, like, there's some actors that do a worse job than that monkey did. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you want to hear their names? It's no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't you want to be a star? The monkey's better than you. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I, like like I think the film does a good job, and and uh, Michelle Williams does a great job of of showing that her unrealized and unfulfilled artistic ambitions had just led to like this deep unhappiness uh, in life that manifest in kind of like weird ways and then like you get to see how the rest the other kids that are not not the steven spielberg stand in fableman uh react to it too where like you know when like the 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 really cool she wish she didn't have you (laughs) (laughs) the the real the the car the the lights the the backlit thing and like you know the the one sister's like you know this is embarrassing you know cover it up you know like 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 and like this and not even understanding why their mom who again they're not seen as a fully articulated and um real person they're seen as their mom and kids naturally don't they they don't think of it yeah. in terms of in terms of being anything other than an extension of themselves that has some orbit around them both, and both i think like, that's both like a heroic or a villainous figure and uh not right. as a fully realized person like at the same time but sammy fableman starts seeing her like 
in but through the lens of the camera as this like figure of interest and he doesn't even understand why at first and then that changes when he sees like the 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 footage of the, you know, her and the, the the Seth Rogen character cheating and then he like it upsets him so much that it puts him off of actually doing it and i love the turnaround of like of like uh, what's Seth Rogen's character's name i can't remember his name uh he, he he's like he gets Uncle he Benny. gets him, <laughs> <laughs> he gets in the camera and like and basically like gives him like a much, much less inspiring rousing speech but basically you know, basically uh you know puts him back on the path to a certain degree even though like he doesn't want anything sleeping, to do sleeping it. with the camera under his like even when he's uh you know swears off swears off filmmaking forever he's still sleeping with the camera underneath his pillow which right. you, you could probably assume that one day he, he got the opportunity to film something and jumped on it but like it, yeah. you know well, movie, i mean if a brother makes a lot of sense in, that it's like uh, well no but it makes sense that like it's it's like some girlfriend <laughs> or something in the movie that's like here's an opportunity and he's like i can't pass this opportunity up yeah. rather than probably just kind of just getting back into it and being like i don't know but and by the way it's 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 deeply it's deeply funny when he gets with the christian girl i'm sorry like yes. that, that, that is deeply hilarious and i was i was like this this you could make a whole like movie just of this and i would I, I, I had a date that that was <clears throat> uh a very similar in some respects like oh yeah, yeah jesus oh he's aces yeah can, can but, we, it, uh, but it's way but it's way funnier that he's like the one jewish kid and she's like i could convert this jewish kid but then and, also, and that's the impetus yeah that that's yeah. the impetus too yeah yeah like her interest yeah no but but the that. the funny thing is it was actually she was trying to sell me amway and introduce me to her husband on our date <laughs> oh there there's my husband again oh oh there he is oh there he is oh oh this is this is a different uh this is a different uncle bernie yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. By the way, there there could be a, a completely opposite version of this movie where Vin Diesel plays the. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, 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 go, go ahead, go ahead. It's fine. No, Vin I, Diesel I, I, plays I, the plays the uncle that comes to town, and I was gonna say this is the husband. Amway. No, but like instead of uh, instead of instead of the uncle coming and telling him about art, it's Vin Diesel as the uncle and he comes and tells him nothing's more important than family. And then he just yeah. completely drops off from, uh, from, from ever making movies. Again. Family is that right, right. Nothing's family. more, nothing's more important than family. Family is like sticking your head in the mouth of lions. <laughs> oh my God. Replace John Hirsch with Vin Diesel. In this, in that <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah, like, yeah. 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 Okay, the, un- the uncle comes to town and he's like, and he's like, no, you can't do art. You you must you must uh, stick up for your family. He's like, I guess I'm never gonna make a movie again. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. I, I just see Vin Diesel ripping a shirt, just going, "I am Groot." There you go. Oh Lord! <laughs> there it is, everybody. Yeah. The comedic stylings of Jander World. <laughs> that is such a great gift. <laughs> Why are we on what in camps? the hell happened to my house? Uh. What the hell happened to my house? Indeed. Um, are, are we? Uh, are we? Are we doing letterbox one liners? What are we doing here? What's yeah, I, I, I thought you were gonna say, "What the hell happened to my house?" And if you want to find out, letterbox is a place. For- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was, I was thinking, I, I was so, I was so flum. I was thinking about like, Amway, really? This, this, like, this is, this is, this is what someone looks like dropping a letterbox one liner on on our uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 
He's like, well, my wife bought a monkey. Oh, wow. All right. I guess wow, this is what we're doing now. This is, this is my life now. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Letterbox is, of course, a place for film lovers to talk out with each other about the films they love, the films they didn't love, the films that inexplicably brought monkeys into the household. Monkeys! <laughs> and, uh, of course, oh. all of this... <laughs> <laughs> And that is the inspiration for Ready to the Lost Ark, why there's a monkey in the movie. Uh, It it, it is indeed. That's a fact bomb. Fact bomb. Fact bomb. Uh, uh, Not just Siskel's and Ebert's of the world. Everyone gets out of their say. Bottom-up democracy. Even this guy. (laughs) Even even this guy. (laughs) Who speaks to us currently, but maybe he's going to come up with some uh, really witty rejoinder. And this is best expressed uh, in the the classic one-liner working on your TIE 5 in front of the comedy store or the brick wall. Uh, these are letterbox one-liners for the Fablemans. Let's go. Ooh, so that's why I put a monkey in Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know. I, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, almost made it. Almost <laughs> made it. Got it. Real heads would know. You've been Andy'd. <laughs> I knew Spielberg in high school. He was not nearly as stylish, and I stole his lunch money. That's the guy. That, that's the guy that was like, <laughs> no girlfriend. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy that's like, no, he didn't have a girlfriend. Are you kidding me? No bitches. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the snitch. Was it's the snitch. Uh, it's mega Jay. mind. It's mega mind right in that. <laughs> this is exactly what Nicole Kibno was talking about that AMC commercial. <laughs> <laughs> True. Wow. That that, that this, this screenshot is a little uh, feels a little risque, but it, it shouldn't be. It is. She's in it. It's too bad she's been stuck in that hell dimension for uh, how many centuries now? She's been in that hell dimension yeah. for a while. But she's always just doing that AMC commercial. <laughs> Tom Cruise, uh, you know, it's, it's the it's the uh, the, the, it's the, the X movie. Void. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Dano doesn't doesn't play an unhinged weirdo in this movie, and that is very weird. <laughs> I I would have huh. like I really wish they had a line where he was just like, "I have a riddle for you." To <laughs> right. Was, was like, Riddle me this. Anyone else thought they were going to turn out to be a thruple? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was on the menu, at least. I was like, all right, well. It's just... Hey, buddy, I, uh, can, can I get in bed with your wife? Uh, <laughs> he's like, only if we do it all together. <laughs> oh, no. You can tell this is fiction because the Boy Scouts weren't homophobic. <laughs> well, his, his version of homophobia would be like, "We don't like gays," and they would just, you know, <laughs> right? They just <laughs> say it. Yeah, yeah. Does anybody hey, like gays? <laughs> we don't like gays here. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, no, there's a, there's there's a thing he could do with Fableman and uh, a slur that you know it would be very on the nose, the same way that Bagelman was. Yep, yep. We understand. I have never howled more in my entire life than when David Lynch appeared on screen. He entered, he served cunt, and a PG-13 fuck, and then left. Amen. <laughs> Can we give Get a shout out for... fuck out of my office. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I've ever heard the phrase served cunt before. Oh, I have. I love it. I, I, was, yes. I, I want to send this to Renee because I, I pulled this for her. It's yeah. given cunty Barbie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serving cunt. It's Friday once again. It's fresh. <laughs> this is the Mario to Babylon's Wario. <laughs> Shout out to my friend Luis. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, you have to think about it. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. mm-hmm. Does Babylon serve as much cunt? That's what I'm wondering. I'll ask Louise next time I talk to her. 
There's no way Seth Rogen is fucking this kid's mom. <laughs> I cracked up really <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> I fucked your mom. Oh, <laughs> your dad's gonna be so mad at me. Oh, what should I do? There's an impression that I do like randomly sometimes when I'm just like high. It's just like Seth Rogen freaking out, and it's just that. Yeah. <laughs> but what if what if that was an impression he did while high, and then when he's like stone cold sober, he sounds nothing like that. He has like very much. Uh, actually, uh, as a thespian, or he's like what he's what, like, what what Seth Rogen? <laughs> Hello, my name is. My name is Sethry. Sethry. Seth <laughs> All right. Those are the little box one-liners for the Fablemans. Please, please, please follow Sethry Rogan over there. Spielberg's monkey, <laughs> a.k.a. John Ford's eye patch, a.k.a. Always Flacco. Moving Extravaganza is the name of the show. That's the account. I am Conan Neutron, Uncle Boris, the Oracle of Truth, uh, all over that biz, doing highbrow, midbrow, uh, populist stuff. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge if you feel so inclined. David Lynch's acting was Oscar-worthy, and so are Christina's letterbox reviews when she deigns to do them. Uh, maybe you can entice her back. Maybe if you give her enough follows, she'll uh, be encouraged to do one. So yes. Maybe it's on you. Maybe if you can pull some Tinkerbell action, we can... We can bring her back into the role. <laughs> that role. The Waka Waka makes that, by that, the way. That role. But he's, un he's Uncle Fozzie. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Replace him up with an actor and Seth Rogen. Ah, kid, why aren't you filming this? Waka Waka. Or the interview with Fozzie and uh, and uh, Franco, you know? That yeah, they should, they, they, he should uh, edit out all the James Franco roles and just replace him just with Fozzie. Just replace him with Fozzie. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Jay Andrew World is watching all the weirdest stuff, uh, so you don't have to, or maybe so you can. He was born to describe paintings to Ford. Uh, and Seth Rogen for the French Connection reboot as well, apparently. I'm, I'm behind on my subtitles. And uh, he is on there. Follow him. and The French uh, Connection. Waka waka. <laughs> and if you feel so inclined, uh, see whatever he's up to. Uh, Seth Rogen for the French Connection reboot. Take us away. All right. Did you see that train? I was chasing after it in the cart. No. Um, sorry. Um, but you're watching us on YouTube right now, so please do those YouTube things. Like comment subscribe hit that bell if you haven't already and, and the hit big that ass, waka waka uh watch watch the video to the end um hit because uh you get to hear that great code neutron song and i hear he has a waka waka pedal <laughs> i like how long did you have that in the back pocket that wasn't that I just came up with <laughs> okay all right all right that's not bad that's not bad yeah no no it was pretty much on the fly you know what? I got enough other pedals. I mean, these aren't even the active ones. I got the, like the pedal graveyard over here. It's like, Conan said. <laughs> I never apologize. Yeah. Oh my God. Kid, I'm so sorry. Your parents are going to get a divorce now. I'm freaking out. But if you're watching us on Twitch, do the Twitch things. Uh, throw us a sub. And uh, of course, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. That helps us out. And you don't have to spend a penny. Except for X Subway to get the sub to send to us. <laughs> but you that. can find us on various social media sites. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. Uh, so if you're um, on one of those three apps, uh, find us, talk to us, like us, comment. We, we you know, we respond. We have fun with people. Um, go ahead. <laughs> I dare you. I double dog dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you made it weird, and then you made it weirder.
That was awesome. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with this? I don't know. I didn't know where I was going either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh, I'm like, <laughs> this is how I'm going to end it right here. <laughs> uh, but we have a Patreon as well. Um, uh, hit us up on our Patreon. The, the great thing about the Patreon is you get access to our after parties forever. Like uh, on Tuesday, we had an amazingly long and, and uh, it's wild. not like forever. Yeah. Like, told the story of how we booked Sam Cedar. And also we went over, what else did we talk about? We, 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 we went about, over. Oh, Conan's awesome song. Oh yeah. Flash composed a, uh, a, synth, a synth pop hit involving the brown, brown, brown from um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, yeah. And Lauren talked, gave her Oscar picks. Lauren, yep. friend of the show, Lauren uh, gave her Oscar picks. That was great. Um, oh yeah. It was, it was an epic one. I feel, I feel like when we do them, they're even more jam packed full of content than they ever were when we deign to do them, which will not be tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but that one's great that that one's that yeah. one's like worth three and, if you ask me and, and so. if you want yeah if you want to uh th th that alone is uh worth for signing up um yeah, so so find so. us over at patreon and uh uh party on with those after parties mm -hmm. party on with those after parties indeed <laughs> yeah i like that party um, on. waka waka <laughs> So, Conan, uh, you just had Protonic yes. Reversal last night. Did. Russell Simmons of John Spencer Blues Explosion and uh, Service. Uh, fantastic show if you're into uh, the music of those bands. Uh, got to, of the many great stories, Russ's is, is a great rock on tour. Uh, and he got yeah, to tell a great with him, too, right? We, we did. Yeah, we did. A, we did tour Service uh, in the summer there. And they're they're just a cracking band there. They put out my favorite record of last year. Uh, he told a great story about the blues explosion, <clears throat> pranking Weird Al <laughs> with Yoko Ono, and it's it's kind of incredible. And there's wow. gonna be a, a, a clip of that coming out. I was I was dying at laughing, as you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> and Weird Weird Al actually directed a blues explosion video way back when. Anyway, it's it's a whole thing. But yeah, the, if you if you like um, John Spencer Blues Explosion or the band Service, and if you don't know Service, you should. <laughs> A great episode. I mean, like, I'm I'm biased. I'm personal friends with the dude, but uh, yeah, I, he's done. He's played drums for Tom Waits. He's on that Fred Schneider record that Steve Albini produced. He's plays drums on. Like, he's done so much like awesome stuff, man. He's a great dude, great wow. drummer too. Wow, that sounds incredible. Um, yep. kind of sad I missed, but I guess <laughs> you can catch it at any time if you are a patron, uh, which is uh, one dollar a month because it's not up for the general feed yet. That'll be up on Monday. Uh, always free, no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. But uh, yeah, you can hear it right now if you give a buck to patreon.com slash paternal commercial. There you go. That's Bernie a great Sanders way to do it. Wow, <laughs> is, that what you, is that what you were getting? <laughs> well done, well done. Yes. Uh, uh, also, uh, you know, uh, he, Conan makes music and y'all should uh, buy some yeah. of it. So, uh, neutron friends.bandcamp.com get yes. you, um, all of Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, uh, discography. And you can buy it all digitally, which is which is a good deal. And that includes Cry Bullies, the new single featuring art by uh, J. Andrew World. And uh, that's going to be on a record that's coming out in the fall. And uh, yeah, copy still available. And I mean, we also got like we got a bunch of merch stuff up there too. So, so yeah, check check that out. And Christina has a Twitch channel that's going strong. Yeah, sort of, but I, I just got <laughs> stronger than ours. Yeah, I guess <laughs> we just not saying much. Uh, you got any plans this week or this weekend? I should say. Well, I'm dogsitting this weekend, but I'm streaming after this, so I will be back on Wednesday, which means I have to miss Tuesday. 
that um uh, yeah that's a bummer i mean good for the dogs but uh yeah yeah, hey, yeah. i need money so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah good well. for you and that christopher front but uh bad for us thank, and thank you fans. stevie thank you i agree that's all right now you did, jumped in on that yeah that's we're talking we're back to talking about me sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh oh really oh oh i couldn't possibly yeah <laughs> uh but the uh big thing is is this being oscar month oscars always remind me of my friend eric uh who took his own life so i just want to say out there um if you're hurting if you're if you're feeling lonely um People do care about you. You might not feel it right now, but but people really do. Um, so uh, please uh, call or text uh, 988 if, if you really need help. Uh, that, that works anywhere in the country. If you want that the regular number, um, 1-800-273-8255. Uh, if you're trans and having issues, there's a, there's a line specifically for you, 1-877-565-8860. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, LGBTQ youth, um, uh, 1-866-488-7386. And finally, if you're a veteran, call 1-800-273-8255 and then press one. Thank you. All right. I think that was, uh, smoother than the last, than the last time we, we transitioned into that. Um, but look at this fucking camera that I, yeah, this man. is, uh. It's real deal. I, I, I have a, like a small collection of like older cameras, and this actually looks a lot like the one that he got from, uh, you know, the the I sorry I fucked your mom camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a show and sport they known, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, it's crazy. You had to like crank it though back in the day. You know what I mean? Like to actually get yeah. the well it worked out well in Nope, didn't it? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly, mostly <laughs> until he became food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than that small technicality, it worked out great. But, uh, <laughs> He's gonna text nine eight eight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like there's an alien here. See, that would have been a that would have been a good transition. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna take it's some callback. Let me tell you. Real, real suicide hotline callers would know. Of. <laughs> wow. um, Christina, let's hear some final thoughts. Yeah, yeah, dig us out of this hole, please. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, I I I love you know fil like films that you know describe a person's life. Careful, they're forced. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna comment on the bottom of this. It's like incredibly hard to balance this. Mm. I thought the whole show it's was like, gonna get unplugged for a you second. You need a tripod. Like, oh, no. or something. <laughs> but yeah, the acting's. I love you know perfect cast uh you know worthy of certain oscar nominations uh definitely recommend if you're really a big spielberg fan obviously if it's a, if you want to know more about like his life this is the film so yeah when it comes to old timey cam cameras i give it like eight out of ten old timey cameras <laughs> <laughs> that the, don't the, balance uh, very well <laughs> eight out of ten kids let's shoot this film so so forced you sleep on the uh, you <laughs> really, my directing career is about to start hold on okay <laughs> crank it up crank it up but uh but yeah uh conan final thoughts uh does anybody know if this kid ever made anything i've seen <laughs> uh yeah this is a very enjoyable film i think it's it's one of it's certainly one of spielberg's spielberg's most personal um plenty has been said and will be said about it 
I don't think it's even close to the best picture of the year for my taste, but it's very good. I enjoy every it. every Spielberg everywhere all at once. <laughs> I didn't I didn't quite connect with it the way some people did, um, but that isn't because it's a bad film. It's it's a really good one. It's part memoir. It's part an ode to the power of movies themselves, right? So it's hard. I'm never going to hate on that, especially when it's well done. It's certainly my favorite Spielberg in a very long time. Um, I think that Judd Hirsch's Uncle Boris. Um, that's a very valid Oscar nominated uh, performance. I think about that all the time as an artist myself. Uh, you know, I always, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And uh, I think that that is one of the most well-executed soliloquies of its kind. And certainly for such a talented, that guy actor as Judd Hirsch, uh, which taxi notwithstanding he is, it's great to see great artists doing great art, even when that's just a like small moment in someone else's story. And I think that this is a perfect kind of movie to represent that. Uh, David Lynch's, John Ford is is an all timer, too, and has to be like one of one of the great surprise endings of, of our of our day, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, enjoyable film. Unless, unless you're like Howard and have heard the story. <laughs> he got Lynch, huh? OK, <laughs> like I, I guess it could have been Ron Howard, because what would be more more uh, disarming than hear Ron Howard say fuck? <laughs> well, geez, golly willikers. Oh, God. Geez, okay, okay. Geez, uh, geez, golly willikers. Get out of my office. <laughs> but uh, yeah, D David Lynch is perfect in that. Um, very enjoyable film. I think we may very well see him win Best Director for this. I think, like I said, I think, I think it's a three way race. And I think um, there's a very strong possibility we're going to see Spielberg win probably one last Best Director because he's getting up there in years. Yeah, so, we'll see. Um, I mean, it, it would be interesting if uh, every although what did his dad die at like 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 super like super old, right? He like lived yeah, like one hundred three, and his yeah, mom. We, we got another thirty years of Spielberg movies. Yes, you see, he could have Christ. another great arc and a terrible arc, and then it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty crazy when the <laughs> when the era, parent man. when the parent that died first was ninety seven, and it's like oh, what was the other what was <laughs> yeah, the other parent? Oh, one hundred and three. Like yeah, yeah. Well, oh damn, so crazy. young. Well, yeah, I mean, let's see. He, he had his whole life ahead of him. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's gonna be Spielberg or uh, probably Spielberg or Todd Field for the Oscars. I would love to say it'd be the Daniels, but I don't think it's. Gonna yeah, be. just I, I feel like they're gonna make them uh, work for it. I mean, they might win. It would be interesting if uh, Spielberg won Best Director and then Everything Everywhere All at Once won I, Best Picture. I honestly think that's probably what's gonna happen unless uh, unless Tar unless Todd unless they give it to Todd Field for director, which would be the biggest upset. I don't know if yeah, I don't know if uh, I, don't, I think that honestly just be to encourage him to make more movies. Yeah, frankly. well, there there was a lot of like think pieces for a need while before he before he made Tar, where that was the, you know all these think pieces that were like, I wish Todd Field was back. Movies would yeah. be so much different, and it's like probably not, but like you know, it's good that he came back. He's, ta like he's a talented filmmaker. I mean, yeah, it's but but I, but I think it's I he think finally, the he finally came back from getting kidnapped by the um by the cult that uh in in eyes wide shut that uh <laughs> that he's like your your friend's gone missing and it's like he hasn't made movies in 16 years yeah no, well because after he got a, a loose from them it was the nexium cult and it was just you know we, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> i think that there was a real push for a while to have fableman's uh for best picture and that would have actually irritated me but because i do really like it but it's not for a year this good it's not the best it's not picture. best picture worthy yeah and it's it, it, exactly yeah my two favorite parts of it are the uh, principal characters. It, it, it might be best picture maker worthy, but <laughs> yeah. And, and it's almost like it, 
would it wouldn't make sense for it to be yeah in in my in my mind anyway but i, I do like i think it's, it's enjoyable i think it will probably find a bigger audience when it finally hits uh streaming services because who's the guy not gonna want to check out a spielberg biopic you know I don't there, there is a uh and i have i've watched the first like 20 minutes i haven't watched the whole thing there's a documentary that has his parents in it uh and i'd watch that too I mean, that's on, that's on um, wait, just to shout it out. It's on HBO Max. Uh, if you type in, I, I think it's just called Spielberg. Spielberg, kid. And his his mom was, uh, it's like his mom's like really last appearance because um, they filmed wow. it. They filmed it in 2017 and she died in October or she died in April or something. And then the movie came out in October. So it's like, it, it really was, I think, right before she passed that they filmed it. It's interesting. But before he did that West End story, huh? <laughs> well it, it's um and it, it's where that clip is from where she's like talking about how she had a monkey and the dad's like i liked the monkey yeah. that was like you know their last uh their last appearance together in a oh yeah we can tell together. yeah yeah whatever he said i like the monkey i'm just like paul dano nailed it <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it's uh yeah yeah on. i mean it was the perfect level of like i'm enthusiastic about my ex-wife and also just like a, you know kind of <laughs> you can tell it's very enthusiastic yeah. no but like but but also at the same time it's kind of clueless like I don't know. The monkey was fine. I'm, you know. Yeah, so monkey agnostic. The monkey helped me build a computer. So there you go. <laughs> I thought that was a strong. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but Andy, final thoughts. You know, uh, I gotta say, like like uh, the year Coda win. Uh, I think that this would have uh, probably <laughs> beat it. Um, but <laughs> he, he fucking hit Spielberg on the head like the jukebox. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it came out now, so so uh, it, it's um. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth watching if you like Spielberg. Um, it's it's got all the nostalgia. Clearly, we do. We've covered a ton of his movies. Like, and we yeah. have, like barely. I was, I was just uh, I was just thinking right? about how just like a month ago I did the Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, the, the intro that like kind of went through all of his filmography, and I was like, yeah. oh, I'm just like building on that. I feel like yeah, it's yeah, like and banger after banger. That was like right? week a uh, couple weeks after, um, or maybe a week after we did uh, Raiders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. We did a month of adventure movies, and I think we had three of his movies in there, right? Well, I guess Not one like of them third, but like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's a lot. He's a great filmmaker. Anyway, Andy, go ahead. Yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. And like, like uh, I mean, all of his movies are tinged with nostalgia. So this is like you know pure uncut nostalgia. Um, yeah, no, the uh, the other the other movies are like the uh, you know when they put like like uh, baby laxative and cocaine. They, they and cut it. This, is, this is like this is like like holy shit! I got that pure uncut fucking nostalgia from Spielberg. Yeah, I'm, like oh, I'm rubbing this nostalgia on my gums. I'm like cocaine there. <laughs> you feel like you dip your finger in. This is good, Fableman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, more <laughs> more more like this. More like this. Got, I'll take the whole package. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is truly what he meant by uh, art is a drug. Uh, <laughs> I think but, I'm cutting uh, that into a short. Mm, that's the one, huh? Okay. Yes. <laughs> you uh, only get a yeah. minute. What other what other things have we talked about that only last a minute? <laughs> get wrap up quickly, see? <laughs> but anyways, no, th this is definitely, like, I don't see it as uh, the best thing that came out this year, but it definitely did deserve that uh, a Judd Hirsch, you know, uh, I... As much as I love everything everywhere all at once, uh, it might be a slightly better than Key, and I hate that because I love Key. Hmm? I mean, I, uh, it's a great Andy. performance. Yeah, I, I, I liked when Judd Hirsch came out and said, "And you will atone." <laughs> I just well like, like he ripped his they shirt. He's just like, "We're sleeping on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Rip your clothes and sleep on the floor." 
Do you think this is something I just thought of? And I, I know we do a lot. We, we do a lot of humor on this show. It's a funny show. But do you think that him being as Jewish as he is in this role is going to have some people not vote for him? In Hollywood? Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, but not everybody is, is going to be a producer or director. Like, there's a bunch of, like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm being serious. Well, it's I mean, time like, to need Harvey Weinstein. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, it's an honest question. I, I, I haven't thought about that until. <laughs> I, I mean, like, like as far as I know, they're they're really he was shot by like, Zagoyes. Like, is Ben Shapiro part of the uh, the voting? I um... I don't. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. <laughs> I but, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, like, cause, you know, you could have some. I, I feel like Hollywood gets uh, stereotyped as like you know the 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 most jewish industry or whatever but at the same time you could have some, yeah maybe it helps i don't know you could have some spiteful goy you know like the yeah <laughs> the, I, I mean i'm just i'm just not familiar <laughs> with people like like just being openly anti-semitic like that and and uh it's not it's uh, not spielberg's, i'm not saying it's, it's not it's spielberg's a, it's high possible, school being just... openly anti-semitic like that yeah. where they're yeah. all like they're all like i would have voted for him but i don't like jews yeah exactly. <laughs> put it right out there yeah I mean, I don't know. It, it, was just, it was just a thought I had. I mean, I still think, uh, I think it's keys to lose uh, at, at this point. And, but I think they're all great performances. Uh, you know, that, that, I think that's something where the Oscars pretty much got it right as far as that, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I, so, I like that. I feel like the Oscars really like a good story, like a, like a good going into it story, right? So like, yeah. John Hurst not being nominated since he was nominated in uh, 1981. I feel like it's, it's a good story. But then Key kind of finally coming back into filmmaking is also a good story. I mean, yeah. you could he could also just dedicate that award to fucking Spielberg and then which he will, hundred yeah. percent will. <laughs> because he did with the Golden Globe. <laughs> he like shouted him yeah. out. He's like, Spielberg. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Judge Hirsch was totally snubbed for uh Independence Day. <laughs> all right. Nope. Well, it's a good I role. Guess, uh Jeff Goldblum's yeah. dad. Yes. <laughs> I guess we're ending. Who great is Jeff Goldblum's dad in that film with the aliens? <laughs> yes. I, I guess we're ending on that. Um, yeah, we'll be back on. Uh, you know, we'll be back on Tuesday to talk about Jordan Peterson's love of pussy, I guess, or whatever, with the triangle of sadness. Triangle of sadness with uh, Zach Marsh of, uh, of of film speak. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna say sayonara. Sayonara.